every day matters, every day, every day. And uh, if you're going to put something on social media, use the hashtag every day, and right there's the email address you use to get the sermon notes. So let's do a quick review. We've been talking about cumulative effect, and cumulative effect is in effect all the time. If you're doing positive things on a daily basis, if you're doing things that make you a stronger Christian on a daily basis, if you are doing things that are wise financially on a daily basis, if you're doing wise things, making wise decisions as it relates to relationships, marriage and parenting and family and friends, then those things are going to be better over time. They're going to get stronger and stronger over time. That's cumulative effect. Sometimes we don't notice the improvements. Sometimes we don't notice that it's getting better. As a matter of fact, in your walk with God, sometimes you will be practicing the disciplines and you will be practicing those spiritual disciplines like prayer and scripture and those kind of things. Uh, and you'll be doing it sincerely and you'll be doing it from the heart. But sometimes it's just kind of dry. And so you don't feel like you're making any progress at all. But I promise you, you are. You have to do those things every single day. So you guys know that I've had some physical challenges in years past. And a couple of things that I've struggled with is I've struggled with... Um, a couple of minor strokes in my life, and uh, I thank God that I am uh, doing much, much better, and personally, I can tell some things that kind of linger from that. I hope you can't tell, but I can tell some things. So I'm, I'm still doing physical therapy, and uh, how many of y'all have ever taken physical therapy? How many of y'all have ever done that and went, man, that is the most fun I've ever had? It isn't fun, but I will tell you this, I've been doing it now for about, for since the first week of October, because I was having some balance challenges, and um, I was having some weakness on my left side a little bit, and so since the first of October, I've been going regularly to therapy, and man, what a major, major difference, because I changed a behavior in my life, and I became intentional about addressing some things that were weaknesses physically for me. And so in that short time, I've been able to tell a difference. That's just an example of cumulative effect. Now, it's also negative. So y'all said you ate too much during Thanksgiving. Well, I think that's okay if you didn't go way too far. You know, there is a word in the Bible about that, but we won't talk about it today, gluttony, but, um, but if you keep on having Thanksgiving every day after that, it's going to have a cumulative effect. And the people said, amen, so you've got to get back to your, get back to your good practices uh, there. And we talked about regret. We talked about the power of regret. We talked about how we don't want you we feel like as, um, as the leaders of the bridge, as the pastoral leadership team, by the, by the way, we've got um, four services going on today. Actually, yeah, four services in three locations. Mount Olive Campus is doing great. They're averaging about 180 in attendance. Isn't that amazing? And so we thank God, yeah, we thank God for that. And uh, Pastor Jeremy, of course, uh, serving our Goldsboro campus, about 300 in average attendance there. We thank God for that. 
but the, the numbers aren't as important as the constant um, reports of life change. Isn't that what we're here for? Isn't that why we exist? It's for life change. Um, so um, we talk about regret as a pastoral team. We, we talk about our sermons. I sit down with Pastor Jeremy and I sit down with Pastor Andrew and we talk about the sermons, and we talk about what we're going to say in the sermons, and we talk about the kind of pastors we want to be to you, and we talk about questions you might be asking because we want to make sure we're answering questions you're asking. There are two things I think you listen for when you're a teacher. I think you listen, of course, first of all, to what God would say to you about what you would preach. But then I think you consider the audience you're preaching to, and you say, so what would their question be here when I say that, and what would their question be here when I say that? And so we were talking about this sermon series, and we started talking about regret and the power of regret, and that if you do every day what you're supposed to do, then you won't have as many regrets, and maybe you won't have any major regrets. And so we've talked about that, and uh, the greatest regret we surmised, and I'm sure you would too, is that you would reject Christ. When you come to the end of your life, the greatest thing you would regret is that you didn't receive Christ. You didn't yield yourself to Christ. The Bible says, in 2 Corinthians 6 and 2, we've already read this several times. It's not going to come on the screen. Indeed, the right time is now and today, right now. And we talked about it in communion a while ago, that God is waiting. God is ready. And when you're ready, you reach out to him in faith, and you'll find hands reaching back to you. Today is the day of your salvation if you will receive that. We've also talked about um, the fact that we are ambassadors of Christ. I talked about that first because I want you to wake up every day realizing that you represent God, realizing that before your whatever title you have, dad, husband, father, mother, brother, sister, whatever title you have on your job, whatever title you have, maybe you're a government official, maybe, maybe you were elected into a position and you've got title, you've got a certain title uh, when you're at a, at a gathering of uh, the group you lead. But your title, if you're, a if you're a follower of Jesus, your primary title is, I'm an ambassador of Christ. And then we talked about last week, Attitude, waking up every morning and saying, I choose a good attitude. We talked about attitude being a choice, and we talked about the sources of a bad attitude. Remember that sermon last week? Say amen, please. Thank you. Uh, so, because we want to do that for the people who are watching on TV. We want them to know that you remember last week's sermon. So, uh, we talked about the sources of a destructive attitude and negative attitude and if you missed any of the messages in this series I hope you'll go to our website bridgechurch.cc and I hope you will listen to those now we're going to move into the next part of our message but just before we do let me tell you that after this service today we are having in the foyer in front of the bookstore over here on this side we are having what's called connections so if you're new to the church if you've been coming for a while and you just haven't kind of gotten into the life of the church, you've just kind of been coming, or maybe you're a guest today for the very first time, 
Uh, this gathering kind of helps you know what your next step is if you want to get furtherly, further involved. Furtherly, is that a word? If you want to get further involved in the church, okay? So I just want to mention that to you, and I'll try to remember to mention it to you again at the end. In the message today, we're going to keep talking about attitude. We're just going to keep talking about it. But today, instead of talking about what causes a negative attitude or a destructive attitude, we're going to talk about how to get a good attitude how to get a good attitude, and how to keep it, how to maintain it. Now, I know this isn't relevant. I know you guys have good attitude all the time, and you just keep it all the time. The only problem with you saying amen to that is your husband or wife sitting right beside you, aren't they? So you can't say that. So let's, let's look at some action steps today that you can take to get a good attitude and to keep a good attitude. And the first one I'm going to give you is the most important one. We'll talk about some other ones, but the first one is the most important one. Number one, here it comes. Focus on cultivating a healthy relationship with God. That has to be your focus because when you don't focus on him, it's, it's just you trying to say, you know, I've got to have that good attitude. and Man, I sure do need to listen to Zig Ziglar today because he can help me get a good attitude. I sure do need to read that self-help book I bought last week at Books a Million. And I need to make sure I read 18 steps on how to have a good attitude. And I'm not saying all those things are bad. Matter of fact, Zig, Zig, Zig Ziglar is a Christian so you can listen to him all you want to. But from a secular viewpoint, having a good attitude is very, very important. But it puts you on your own. It puts you getting that attitude that you need that's going to make you productive, that's going to make you fruitful, that's going to make your life more joyful. It makes you getting that good attitude. It puts that all on you, not just God. Or not God. You're not focusing on God. And so let's look at the scripture we looked at last week. Let's go back over that again, and I want you to let that sink in. We read from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 21 through 24. So Paul's talking to Christians here. Paul's in prison. <laughs> I think that's funny. I mean, it wasn't funny to him, I'm sure, but I think that's funny that Paul's in Christian. Paul is in prison writing to Christians saying, guys, keep a good attitude now. Keep a good attitude. He says, hey, you know, since you've heard about Jesus and since you've learned the truth that comes from him, why don't you choose, why don't you, as an act of your will, as you depend on him, why don't you throw off your old sinful nature, your old way of thinking, why don't you throw off your former way of life and I'm going to tell the person who's doing these slides, just leave this up here. Don't go to the next one when we get to the end of this because I want to talk about this in a minute. Which is corrupted by lust and deception. He says, I want you to think about the way you used to think before you met Jesus. And I want you to turn back to Jesus and go, Jesus, help me not think like that anymore. Help me not be controlled by my old self, by my old nature. I want to be controlled by your Holy Spirit. I want to be controlled by your word. I want to get into your word. You have heard about Jesus and learned the what? What's that word? Learn the truth that came from him. So that's the word. I've got the word in me. I've got the Holy Spirit in me because I've experienced the new birth. Lord, I need you to help me 
not to go back to my old way of thinking, not to go back to my old attitude, not to, go, not to give in to my old sinful nature because even though I'm a Christian, that old man, that old nature still is there. Help me not succumb to that. Help me not to go back to my former way of life, my former lifestyle, again, my former thought life, which is corrupted by what? Lust and deception. Now let's go to the next slide. Instead of that, instead of thinking like I used to think, instead of embracing that old nature, instead of that, Lord, help me. Paul's telling them, he's instructing here, this is you praying. Lord, teach me how to allow the Holy Spirit to renew my thoughts and renew my attitudes. Help me, Lord, to put on my new nature. Paul is telling them to put on their new nature, created to be. And what is that new nature? It is that we were created to be what? Come on. Like God. And what is that? Truly what? Righteous and holy. So, you know, it's not rocket science. If you want a good attitude, it is going to be directly linked to where you are with God. Where you are in your relationship with God. And we all have struggles. We all have struggles. You know, I asked you last week, how many of you ever woke up in the morning and you were upset and you didn't even know why? Maybe you dreamed something and you forgot your dream, but you just woke up in the negative mood. Have you ever met somebody who's just against everything, no matter what it is? You heard the story, I'm sure, but I'm going to tell it again, so I'd appreciate it if you'd laugh, even if you've heard me tell this before. That's what happens when your pastor gets old and he's been with you a long time. You hear the same stories over and over. But this church was going to buy a chandelier. So they had a business meeting to vote on it. And so they put it on the floor and they talked about it and said, okay, we're going to buy this chandelier. Who's for it? Everybody was for it. Who's against it? The same guy in the church who's always against everything raised his hand. And they said, well, why are you against it? He said, first of all, nobody knows how to spell it. He said, secondly, if we bought it, I don't know a soul who knows how to play it. <laughs> he said, if we're going to buy anything in this church, we ought to buy some lights. We need some lights in this church. <laughs> Have you ever met somebody who's against something and they don't even know why they're against it? Have you ever woke up? Come on, let's vote. Everybody, come on, let's get ready. How many of you ever just kind of woke up in the negative mood? Amen? And the rest of you lied and need to come to the altar right after this service is over. So your attitude, which makes you productive or unproductive, which causes you to get along with folks or not get along with folks, which causes you to be in constant strife or a sense of joy. I mean, really, guys, your attitude is so important to every facet of your life. I'm going to just be blunt. A lot of you have missed out on some incredible, amazing opportunities because of your attitude. Now, y'all probably don't need that, but I know who's coming in the second service, so I need to go ahead and say that, so I'll say it next service. So, guys, listen. Here's what I want you to understand. How does this relate to you? You, got, you say, well, hey, if I'm going to be fruitful, if I'm going to be a good dad, if I'm going to be a good husband, if I'm going to be a good mom, a good wife, if I'm going to be a good 
uh, kid to my parents, uh, if I'm going to be a good student, if I'm going to be, I've got to get my attitude right. And I'm saying to you today that that is true, and your attitude is linked directly to the work of the Holy Spirit in you. So if you're not a Christian, you need to become a follower of Jesus so the Holy Spirit is in you to do this work. And if you are a Christian, then maybe you've drifted away and you need to allow the Holy Spirit to, what's that word right there? Renew, to renew, to refresh. So the next one, just going to be more practical, and we're going to go through those pretty quickly. Another action step is focus on why. When you're doing something, and, and we're going to assume number one, all right? So we're not leaving number one. Number two is, is built on the first action step, which is to be right with God. So one of the things that I have to tell myself all the time in order to have a good attitude and, and quite frankly, to remain motivated about some things is why am I doing what I'm doing? Before you act. On a decision, stop and think about the decision because you're about to take an action that is going to absorb your energy. It's going to absorb your time. So you want to make a wise decision and you want to have a good attitude as you make this decision. So you've got to ask yourself why. I've done things for the wrong reason. And as I say that, y'all look so holy when I said that. I've done things for the wrong reason. And it's never worked out for me. It's never been fruitful. You've got to have the right motivation. You've got to understand why you're doing it. You have to separate yourself from the emotion you're feeling. And I'm a very emotional person. But I have to separate myself. And I'm still learning that at the age of 60 years old. I'm still learning as, I, as a leader and as a pastor and as a preacher. I'm still learning to try to separate myself from the emotion I'm feeling and say some things to myself. How many of y'all know self-talk is really important? Self-talk is really important. What you say to yourself is really important. So you got to ask yourself, okay, I, I'm, I'm about to, if I, if I decide to go ahead with this, I'm about to expend a lot of precious energy and time. When I have the freedom to take any action I want to, why have I chosen to take this one? I mean, I'm a grown person. I can make any choice I want to. Why am I choosing this? Why am I willing to invest my time and energy in this? i got to tell you, that question alone will make you pause and quite often will make you change your mind. you got to ask yourself, will this action that I'm about to engage in, will it make the positive changes in me I'm wanting to make, and will it make the positive changes in the organization or the church or the ministry or my career that I'm wanting to make? Will it help me reach the goals God has put in my heart? Because if you're emotional and you're angry, you can be angry and make a bad decision. Amen? Amen? You can be uh, overexcited and unrealistic. Amen? How many of y'all have bought something you couldn't afford because you were overexcited and unrealistic? There's a bunch of people lying today. Um, we got some work to do. So you're asking yourself, why? Why am I engaged in this? If the connection, listen to this, 
if the connection between the action you're about to take and the goals God has given you, if that connection is weak, then you got to take that off your action list. Or you're going to spend yourself, you're going to spend your time, you're going to spend your physical self and your time doing something that's not the best thing you could do. You know what the Bible says? It says it is not in man to know the way he should go. It's not in you to know what you ought to do. So when we go ahead and in a, in a over-emotional state, make a decision to expend time and energy into a project, a lot of times we are sorely disappointed because we didn't do number one. We're not walking in intimacy with God, so we're making poor decisions that are wasting our time and energy. That's preaching. I'm preaching up here. Amen. Y'all with me? And so to keep your attitude right, then you're always saying why. Pointless activity wastes time and energy. Let me give one example, and then I'll move on. So if I wake up on a Sunday morning, and I realize it's my Sunday to serve. It's my Sunday to serve in the nursery. It's my Sunday to serve in kids' church. It's my Sunday to serve in the parking lot. It's my Sunday to serve wherever. And I just don't feel like it. I just don't feel like doing it. I just am not motivated to do it. I mean, when I walked up to that, um, uh, what, what do we call, test drive, and I signed up for that, I was really motivated. I had just heard that sermon by Pastor Farrell, because, you know, the other pastors, they don't motivate you that much, but I know how to. And so, you know, you know, I just heard that sermon, so I went out there, man, I signed up. But I got to tell you, it is 7 o'clock on Sunday morning. I ain't feeling too motivated right now. But if you understand why you serve in those roles, when you understand that by working in the nursery, a mom and dad get to come in here and hear the word. When you understand that waving in the parking lot with that big old Mickey Mouse hand on causes a family who's a little nervous about coming to a big church like this, causes them to smile and lowers their nervous level so when they walk in, they kind of get who we are right out there in the parking lot that we're going to have a good time at church today. And so they're more open to the Word. They're more open to the worship. When you understand that's why you do what you do out there, then that makes you go, you know what, I'm getting up. You've got to understand why. That motivation, that good attitude comes from a deep, sense of purpose. Number three, action number three. Y'all with me say amen? amen? To get your attitude right, you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone. Be intentional about getting out of your comfort zone. Doing the same old, same old will take away your enthusiasm, will sap your enthusiasm. Even if your same old, same old has been successful in the past, you want to always be open to doing things in a better way, a more effective way, getting outside of your comfort zone. Personal success, spiritually, personal success on your job, personal success in your marriage, personal success as a parent, whatever you're trying to have personal success in that will bring glory to God. If you don't stretch yourself, it's kind of like a training for a sport. And I've learned this in my physical therapy as well. If you don't stretch yourself, if you don't push yourself beyond what you're comfortable with, 
then you're not going to see the results in your life. As a matter of fact, you will gradually grow less healthy and less healthy. You will grow slower and slower. You will grow weaker and weaker. You know what another reason to get out of your comfort zone is? Because Jesus got out of his comfort zone for you. Would you say amen to that? He got out of his comfort zone for you. So, so push yourself beyond. I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you. Because we all, we all struggle with this. All of us do. Some more than others. But when you just get into a comfort zone life, and you live in this, what you believe is a safe little bubble where you don't have to really stress over anything. You don't have to really work on anything. You don't have to really, you don't have to really challenge yourself to learn something new or to get better at something. And you just kind of live in that comfort zone area. Then your attitude's going to drift. Your attitude's going to drift. And what do we say about drifting here at the bridge? You never drift in the right direction. You always drift in the wrong direction. So if you get a good attitude, it's going to be because you got out of your comfort zone and you paddled hard against the current that wants you to just settle. Don't settle. Don't just settle. Ask yourself. Evaluate yourself. I almost moved on right there, but I want to just press this. Evaluate yourself and say, how can I be, how can I be a better whatever? You fill in the blank. Start with Christian. Start with how can I be a better Christ follower? How can I be a better disciple? Answer that one. Work on that one. And it's kind of like the other things take care of themselves. Let's go to action step number four. And this is uh, something you don't want to do. Don't expect instant gratification. Do we live in a day of instant gratification? I'd like to um, remind you all of a prediction I have made about fast food. There will come a day... When you will get fast food and you won't even have to stop your car. They're going to make a deal. How many of y'all have ever gone through a toll booth and they got that basket there and if you hit it right, you don't even have to stop? They're going to make it so you can call in or text in or use your, use an app. There's an app for that. And you can uh, send a message to McDonald's or wherever and tell them what you want and, and, and have it ready. And you're going to drive around. You'll throw your money in the deal. And, you're gonna drive, and they're going to throw chicken in the window. And you're never going to have to stop. <laughs> because we want it yesterday. That's what we want. It. We want instant gratification. Here's, here's kind of um, what I want to push there is that a lot of us, when we do something outside the box, we were just talking about getting outside the box. When we do something outside the box, we got to have immediate positive feedback or we give up. Probably what y'all ate for Thanksgiving, that's probably not going to leave as quick as it came, that weight gain. It's going to take a little bit more time. It's going to take a little extra time to deal with that. So, so if you don't get instant gratification, you're going to put yourself in a situation to just be constantly disappointed. Amen? So you can't, you, you can't set yourself up and go, okay, I'm going to do this, and then as soon as I do this, then I'm going to get this, and that's going to keep me motivated. Sometimes there's time. It's like, it's like um, gardening. When you put that seed in the ground... You're going to get back one seed like you put in? No, you're going to get back what? Many, many seeds. But you're going to have to what? Wait. 
It's going to take some time. Something good is coming. But if, if you're a person who wants an awesome garden and you've got to have instant gratification, then gardening is not for you. You cannot plant a seed, go to the kitchen window the next morning, sipping your coffee going, ain't seen nothing yet. No, it's going to be days, it's going to be weeks before that thing begins to push up through the ground. Um, we make decisions and we take actions based on the results we want to achieve. Of course we do that, but it's a big mistake to expect those results and then they don't come and you, and you get disappointed when you don't get them. Again, when you set yourself up where you've got to have that instant gratification, you're just going to live a disappointed life. And a disappointed life is something you can't maintain. You're going to give up on getting out of the comfort zone. You might even give up on your spiritual disciplines. You're going to give up on whatever it was that you felt like God had told you you need to become better at, you needed to work on. Always do your best. And I feel like I'm speaking to somebody here today, but don't be concerned with hitting the bullseye every single time. You're not going to hit the bullseye every single time. And if you do become consumed with hitting the bullseye every time, then again, you'll live in a constant state of regret, constant state of disappointment. Here's another thing about instant gratification. One of the things that helps me is I laugh at myself. Some of you guys, you just really take yourself way too seriously. You take yourself way too seriously. Laugh at yourself. Laugh at yourself. i got to tell you, when I have my staff meetings, they don't mind laughing at me. They laugh at me very freely. But I'm serious, guys. Don't, don't. I mean, I talk to people, and you can just tell the thought of, of them messing up and, and then laughing at themselves or, or, or just going, you know what, I'm just human. I mess up just like everybody. They just set themselves up for a, a life of misery. You've got to learn to laugh at yourself when you mess up, okay? So, so, again, this goes back to why. We talked about why earlier. When you know, when you know why you're doing something, then when you mess up, you can kind of laugh along the way but you keep on pressing forward because you know why you're doing it. You know why you're doing it. Let's go to number five, action step number five. Uh, if you view obstacles as, um, you know, if I have many obstacles on this, I tell you why, I'm not going to keep going now, then you're, you're not going to keep going because guess what? You have a lot of obstacles. But you've got to see obstacles as you're trying to reach your goals and as you're trying to be the, the minister God's called you to be, as you're trying to be the follower of Jesus God's called you to be, as you're trying to be the teacher, as you're trying to be the, the carpenter, as you're trying to be the attorney, as you're trying to be the doctor, as you're trying to be whatever your role is, whatever you, uh, we have all kinds of people here with all kinds of occupations. As you're trying to be the best dad, the best mom, the best husband, the best, as as you're, as you're working toward that, as you're trying to achieve that, you're going to fail and there are going to be obstacles and you're not going to get that feedback you want. And if you see those obstacles, if you see those, those uh, potholes in the road of life, if you see them as things that are going to make you just give up and stop, then you're going to give up and stop. But if you will see your obstacles as opportunities to learn, opportunities to ask yourself, 
How did that happen? How did I let that happen? Why did that happen? Because what we want to do when we're really working hard to, to get to a certain level in our life and we run into obstacle after obstacle, we want to what? We want to give up. We want to get upset. We want to get angry. How do I know that? Because I've faced those same obstacles. What we've got to do is we've got to stop and evaluate the situation. And you remember last week at the end of the sermon, I gave you three things to do. And a couple of them were, uh, first of all, talk to God about how did that happen. Don't see yourself as a loser. Don't see yourself as a failure. Just get with God and say, how did that happen? Look at the actions you took. See what you can do, if anything, to improve that decision or improve the way you handled that. Get with God. Let God give you some feedback on that. Get with that. Remember the friend who loves you? You say, yeah, I'm still looking for that. Okay. Well, when you find that friend who loves you and cares about you, get some feedback from them. And then talk to yourself and say, hey, man, how, how did that happen? The weakest ink is better than the strongest memory. So when you're meeting with yourself, take notes. Amen? That's meditation. That's when God speaks to us. The Word of God talks about meditation, doesn't it? Not the worldly kind of meditation, but the godly kind where we feed on the Word of God and then like the sheep in uh, Psalm 23, we go and lie down and we let God speak to us as we meditate on the Word we just consumed. Who's with me out there? A lot of people, and I say this quite often, they say, God, don't ever talk to me. God doesn't ever tell me anything. Do you ever get quiet enough? Do you ever stop? Do you ever get by the still waters? Psalm 23. Do you ever allow him to let you rest so he can then speak to you out of his word that you just consumed or you just heard? Amen, amen. So view obstacles as opportunities to improve. Number six, be thankful. Express your appreciation. And I know it's the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and I know you probably thought I threw that in there. Uh, but guys, your attitude, you're going to have a much better attitude when you're a person with a thankful heart. Can I tell you this? Can I tell you that if you're sincerely grateful and you're sincerely thankful, did you know it's impossible to be thankful and prideful at the same time? Remember last week I told you that Paul talked about things in his letter, I believe it was to Titus, Timothy. He said, uh, here are some things to look for in the last days, and you know the, the days uh, just before Jesus returned, that you're in those days. And he was given this list of horrible, terrible sins that we could look around and see those happening. And right in the middle of those was what? Unthankful. The sin of being unthankful. So, you know, this holiday that we're, that we're, we're uh, celebrating last Thursday, ought to be a lifestyle for you because it will help you keep your attitude right. I'll tell you, and then I'm done. Um, when I really feel myself going down mentally, when I feel myself going down in my attitude and going down in how I view life, one of the things that I do is I just sit down and I pull that journal out. I hope you guys are work in your prayer journal, and I go to my Thanksgiving area, and I just read them. Now, i got to tell you, can I be honest? Sometimes I'm not thankful I'm just reading the list. <laughs> but you know what I found out? That the more I say those things out loud, 
I don't know how you guys do it. I, I don't know how you do it. Here's how I do it. I get by myself and I say the things I'm thankful for out loud. And I say them until I get some freedom in my mental state. And I begin to feel some liberty in God. And then out of that freedom comes petitions and praise and prayer to God. But, but man, you got, sometimes you got to push through that thanksgiving. But if you will, it will release you to make a connection with God so that you can bring your life to Him. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Uh, number seven, I told you I was going to quit, but evidently I'm not. Number seven, be intentional about who you spend your time with. And the people said, now you might be in the family. That person might be in the family. So you got to be real, real careful about that. But I'm going to tell you that uh, it is a proven fact that our brain automatically imitates the behaviors of the people we spend time with. If you're, not a, if, you're not a, if you're a person who's developing in your resolve and developing in your uh, strength, and uh, mental strength, and you're, 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 um, you're developing in your ability to stay on track no matter what kind of pressure you get from the right or left, if, then you can get pushed around a little bit by people who have a bad influence on your life. I'm telling you to be careful. Uh, write this down in your notes. We're not going to get into it here, but there's something called mirror neuron and that's what that is that's what that talks about that's what that whole thing is the people you hang around you have a you have a a tendency in your brain if you don't have the help of the lord to automatically begin to imitate the behaviors and the attitudes of the people you spend your time with everybody say lord help me because y'all think about people you're spending your time with since you know that's true, you should surround yourself with people who have positive, constructive attitudes, especially toward God, and avoid those who are exceptionally negative. Here's the problem. Negative will always deal with, it's that unwillingness to change. But if you're around people who are negative and unwilling to allow God to help them, unwilling to allow you to help them, you, then you've got to really evaluate that relationship in your life. Listen, you be the influencer. You be the influencer. Don't, don't allow negative talking, negative thinking, negative attitude people, don't allow them to be the influencer. You be the influencer. You're the Christian. You're the Christ follower. You say they are too. Yeah, but they need help. You're Walking with God, because you did number one, amen? You already got number one down pat. You've been cultivating, focusing on, and cultivating a deep personal relationship with God. So when you get around that person with that destructive, negative attitude, all of a sudden, you have to decide, if I'm not going to be the influencer here, then I've got to be careful that I'm not going to be influenced by that. Amen? Amen. Let's close with this scripture. Let's go to the book of Romans. Look at chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You know this very well. This is the message. I love how the message puts it. So here's what I want you to do. Paul talking to Christians. Hey, guess where Paul is when he writes this book? Yep. So he, Paul says, so here's what I want you to do. You guys who aren't in prison, here's what I, who am in prison, want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. What? 
God helping you. That's really what this has been about. All this thing of, uh, you know, changing your attitude and all that, that's, that, I'm talking about that being a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in your life, not you just biting the bullet, you know, and going, I'm going to have a better attitude. You've got to come to God. He's going to enable you. Remember what the Scripture said, allow the Holy Spirit to renew your thoughts and renew your attitude. So when I tell you you need a better attitude or I tell you how to get a better attitude, I'm not telling you you've got to go out of here and by sheer willpower, you get on your face in humbleness, humility before God and say, God, I, I'm not going to, it's going to be impossible for me to have a bad attitude, God, if you don't help me. Amen? So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your what? Everyday, ordinary life. Who's got one of those? Who's got an everyday ordinary Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, glory to God. You're eating, hallelujah. You're going to work, not so excited. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. That life, your ordinary life, and place it before God as an offering. Just lay your life before God as an offering. Next slide. Embracing God, embracing what God does for you, is the best thing you can do for Him. So we want to bring Him glory. Why do I want a good attitude? Because if I'm a Christian, a good attitude brings God what? Glory. It lifts. How many of y'all know a Christian with a bad attitude is a sinner's best excuse? Amen? Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead of doing that, fix your attention on God. And the church said, you'll be changed. How? Where? From the inside out. Next slide. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, and the culture around you is always doing what? Dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God, on the other hand, brings the what? Best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Man, I love that from the message. Let's look at the New Living Translation. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but allow. We have, you know what? We have really seen that word a lot in this series. Allow, open the door. Let God do what? Transform you into a what? New person by how? How do we do it? By changing the way you think. If you will do that, the result is then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is always what? Good and pleasing and perfect. Father, thank you for your word today. Let it be in us. Let it change us. Let it mold us. Help us to stop pushing back against your will. Help us understand that if we want that attitude, God, if we want that attitude that glorifies you, if we want that spirit coming off of us, that that aura, whatever it is, that vibe, we can use whatever word we want to. If we want people who encounter us 
to say there's something different about him, there's something different about her, and it's not shallow, it's deep. And they'll recognize that God has done that work in us. That we'll give off that, that spirit of love and that spirit of acceptance and that spirit of generosity and that spirit of mercy and grace so that people will pick that up through our attitude and know that the attitude we have did not come by our sheer willpower or by reading the right books or by listening to the right speakers. It came because we surrendered our whole heart, our self, to the Lord Jesus. Don't let Pharaoh Hardison be an unbeliever's excuse. Don't let Pharaoh Hardison's bad, sour, negative, destructive attitude become the excuse of an unbeliever. And God, when we as your followers, when we got that kind of prideful, judgmental attitude coming off of us, um, sometimes it's a controlling attitude. When that comes off, then we're not going to lead anybody to you, Lord. The heart of a servant, the heart of Jesus, the heart of our Creator who girded himself with a towel and got down on his hands and knees and washed the feet of his disciples, let that spirit be in us. Let that attitude be in us. So that men and women and boys and girls will be drawn to you. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody said...